0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host Brian and joining me this week is my co-host Crofton. Rescheduled Crofton. How's it going, Crofton?
1: You mean rehired Crofton? After you unceremoniously fired me.
0: Yeah. While I was sick. That's I didn't I didn't bounce you because I was sick, I bounced you because I was like, this is my opportunity to fire, then rehire Crofton, because I have yeah. hiring firing power.
1: Just to be clear, I don't even think you wanted to rehire me. I think that <laughs> situations arose in such that you were desperate. And, and it was one of those moments where you're like, what could I do here? Oh, I could not do a show or, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it,
0: exactly what happened. Because you know what? As everyone at home can tell from the first minute of this podcast, why wouldn't you want to record twice in one week with Crofton? Because uh, we get to record again on Thursday with Dungeons and Diapers, the hit. Uh, oh, Yeah, that's right. We're doing
1: we're doing that. Yeah, no, I I, we're doing two shows. I I totally forgot. Ryan, while I'm here, I have a question about the gamers in lore. Okay. Um so again. So uh you know, I've done a few podcasts before, but normally, except when I'm doing with them with you, I can see the other person. Like we got like video. Uh, podcast but with you it's like we're just we're just like we have no cameras on we're just talking to each other so is this in like if we're in an inn is it like i'm wearing a blindfold in the inn
0: yeah it's like one of those sensory experience inns where there's no light um, okay yeah
1: it's like an eyes wide shut type situation
0: i i don't think i've seen that movie but maybe. just say yes uh, I don't know if it's safe to do so. Um, uh, What other podcasts do you do where it's video? Like, I know good, bad, or bullshit back in the day when... That was...
1: And I had... I, I guested on a couple of podcasts uh, that were video, uh, Joystick and Mouse, and yeah. The Dad Chronicles with Alex Albisu. I did another podcast with Bo called The Exclamation Mark. That was all video. Honestly, any podcast I've ever done has been video except for the ones with you, I just assume that you're an AI construct. That's really my my going theory right now. And the fact, the most disturbing fact about that is that the podcast I do with you regularly is a parenting podcast. So if you are an AI construct, it is somebody who is masquerading as a father of, I think, at least three kids at this point.
0: three. three, uh, three. So um, if you ask me if I'm an AI construct, do I have to answer? Like, is that the rule?
1: I don't know. You're the expert in AI constructs.
0: Well, I mean, maybe. I don't know. It's really interesting that you bring this up because there's a video game we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, it's super interesting. Uh, We're going to talk about, uh, I don't have a transition for this, but I I did want to provide an update for everyone because I'm playing, I actually finished The Invincible. Um, And if you try to Google that uh, name, you'll probably find that there is a, a Prime television show superhero
1: with a mustache right
0: uh i don't think you finished the first season but sure yeah i didn't
1: finish any of it but (laughs) i i I get i i sort of know what when you see the invincible i don't know the video game
0: no so there is this new video game that came out uh, a couple weeks ago called the invincible and it is a uh, first person narrative exploration game i mean a lot of folks um i don't know if it's it kind of became reductive to call it like a quote unquote walking simulator. I don't think it's that, Um, but it's similar to like gone home and other sort of first person narrative exploration games where it's very much focused on, you know, telling a story that you are sort of moving through solving puzzles, interacting with your environment, that sort of thing. I think gone home was like the big one that everybody thinks of in terms of like the genre um uh yeah firewatch that's one i think of firewatch being more recent and i honestly really enjoyed firewatch i think firewatch and the invincible are very similar in terms of like you know feels and 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 the story and sort of the mystery but uh i did finish the game i'm not gonna do any spoilers and i'm kind of gonna make this a quick one because uh i did want to finish it and kind of give everybody an update um on the story i mean uh the, uh, like, first I'll be a little critical and say like, and I think this is kind of, you know, um, you, you feel this with a lot of games in this genre is it the gameplay is a bit slow. There were moments where you felt as though like they, they specifically hamper your character's mobility so that they can either not necessarily stretch out the length of the game, but so they can get more talky bits in. There's a lot of talking in the game. um, which I do enjoy all the voice acting is really great. and It's very sciencey. Like they're throwing some science at you Croft. I don't know. I don't know if you, if you enjoy science being thrown at you, but there's a lot of science in this, uh, in this game where you're exploring this planet.
1: I, okay. Just here's the thing. Cause I've been actually thinking about this lately. Cause I'm playing Spider-Man two and in Spider-Man two, Um, There is often a lot, as there was in the original Marvel Spider-Man, a lot of science thrown at you, but it's not real science. Like, it's sci-fi gobbledygook masquerading as real science. You know, like, Peter will go through a science center or, or, you know, like, he'll be looking at the exhibits and they'll be like, wow, look at this. But it's all, like... It's all like fancy wish fulfillment science that's not real. So it's really like science like science is a flavor, but not science is a substance. Is this science is a flavor or science is a substance?
0: I, I would say, uh, well, not being a scientist myself, like maybe there is some like science rooted in this, but like as someone who's just isn't a scientist, I would say probably science flavor. I mean, you are exploring Uh, a planet that is not our own. Um, It is very exploration based in terms of like, this is a planet that's been discovered, hasn't been charted before. So yeah, probably science flavor, but they do a really good job of not making it sound too far fetched. It seems to be like sort of grounded in terms of the, the science talk. Um, I'm trying to think of an example without, you know, hurting, uh, (laughs) you know, other science fiction, uh, fans, but like, I i think sometimes Star Wars has like a little bit of the you know, far fetched science a little bit in there, but also some Star Wars, sometimes I think, right? Am I wrong? Maybe no, I'm wrong
1: all the time, Ryan. It's science fantasy. I even using science fiction to like characterize Star Wars, everything in Star Wars is complete fake fabrication and like, oh, I've I like, as much. I mean if if you get you Ryan's like Wookiees aren't real? What are you no. doing to be crafted? <laughs> um but uh- but no, I, I, I'm talking about like, I guess like Star Trek tries to skew a little more, but even that is like deeply, but well, I guess for me, it's just like, I, I looked at a couple of screens for the Invincible and it looks like, it, it looks like tonally and correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't played it. It looks like Starfield, which is like, yeah. ki- kind of like, what was the term they used for marketing Starfield? Like NASA, oh, NASA punk. punk. yeah Yeah, something like that so the idea here was that it was like oh it's sort of real but it's not real you know and I gotta say like when you ask me do you like science I say I like science kind of when it's real or when it's completely not real but like with Spider-Man I'm playing it and the girls are watching me walk through my, my two children are watching me walk through these fake science centers and look at stuff and Clara keeps saying is that true is that real I'm like no it's not true there's not a little bee zapping robot that zaps big bees or whatever like i mean i have to tell them often that this stuff because it's masquerading as real science and right. i i've started i'm starting to lose patience for that particular when it's like it, when they they're like like this is science fiction okay i'm on board and if it's plot related i'm on board but if it's like let's just have sciency y stuff then i don't like it I don't know if that makes any sense.
0: No, it makes sense. I mean, but it's kind of like a uh, sort of a fine line because it really in my mind when I was playing this game, I didn't feel like it was like um, like science fantasy, as you said. Like, you're right. Star Wars is very science fantasy. You have lightsabers, um, you know, uh, that's the first one that comes to mind. But, yeah, you know, you have the force, you have all all kinds of stuff in that one. But um, like, yeah, Starfield is a really good example. Like it's it feels like very grounded nasa punk exploration i think they even describe sort of the look and feel as like atom punk um sort of like 60s style uh space concept even there's a moment in the game where there's um a saucer uh that is of that is uh some of the characters uh it's that it's one of the characters saucers and it looks like what you would see right at the jetsons and the characters are just like yep that's a that's your saucer does it work yeah of course let's go you know, it's, um, it, it kind of, it, it feels like it's kind of in that vein of like, it's, it's very much Starfield in terms of like that NASA punk, but it also has that feel of like, you know, Jetson's sixties style of what they thought space travel would look like. Uh, even the tools you're using as you're exploring, you've got like three or four different tools and they have that feel as well of like that fallout Jetsons style sort of, uh, space mechanics, um, but I like outside of the gameplay being a bit, a bit slow Uh, in moments like there was, it, it just, it rarely happened, but there were those moments like, I just wish the run would work a little longer. You know, like you, you could run for a bit and your character gets exhausted. You got to let, let the character go through the cycle of the animation to like recover. And then you can start running again. And, and I think you really felt that when you went down a path that wasn't the critical path. Like if you were, say you got turned around, you were trying to explore and you go in the wrong direction. Um, You could, you could feel as though you were, you were kind of trapped by the speed at which you can traverse. But um, the story was really interesting. And again, like coming off of um, uh, Cyberpunk, Phantom Liberty, Spider-Man Two, some, some big open world games that had like heavy narrative. It was nice to play something that I knew I could start and finish five hour experience And uh, get a story beginning, middle, end. That being said, I think I got what is considered to be like a middling ending, you know, between good and bad. And there are multiple endings uh, based on some choices and some dialogue you make. um, What I think to be in in the final moments of the game. Uh, But uh, it like it worked like the ending I got was was um, it felt It felt uh, relevant to how I played the game and how my character was making dialogue choices and stuff. And it's funny. I think I got the bad ending because there are these moments in dialogue where you can say, like, give me the long answer. Like, go into detail. Uh, And I think it was a moment where the characters were going into detail in their conversation about what was going on on the planet. Um, It led to another character uh, preparing something that that led to a bad ending. (laughs) And I was like, oh. So maybe we talked too much, gave them too much time. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I enjoyed it. And like, it's a, uh, so it's on, it's on steam. It's 40 bucks Canadian. It's also on PlayStation. That's where I played it on PlayStation five. Uh, it's called the invincible. It is not the cartoon on Amazon prime. Although um, I think that's just called invincible. This is called the invincible. So
1: not confusing at all.
0: No, no. Jake, JK Simmons isn't in this one.
1: Can I ask you a question? Of course, do, do you uh, when you have guests over to the gamers in, do you always do you always bigfoot them and go first? Or are you just doing that because it's me? <laughs> because
0: uh, because I know I, it's I, a I, uh, I feel you. I'm ready to go. I just wanted to put you in your place because I know like once you start talking about the PlayStation 5 that you got, which we can start talking about right now. I know you hinted at it with your Spider-Man 2 and you thought, oh. Maybe this is the chance. No, uh, I just wanted to get that one, um, you know, sort of kick off the show with it because I had just finished it. It's fresh in my mind. And I know if we talk for, I know this isn't core, but if we go for about four hours talking about the PlayStation 5 that you finally bought. Um, per-
1: percentage wise, the talk of the Invincible wouldn't be much out of four hours. I get what you're saying.
0: I would have forgot about it, honestly, by the time we got back to it. So, jeez.
1: Yeah so uh so Ryan scooped my news which is that I got a PlayStation 5 um and so uh this is a big deal for me because uh I've been you know I've had an Xbox Series X for a few years now and I have you know, I have a Steam Deck, a couple of other things, but I haven't been able to play games that are PS5 exclusive, which have mostly been uh, checking notes, almost nothing. So uh, it's been good. I haven't really had to worry about it. I have a PlayStation 4, so I could play versions of the games that were released on PlayStation five on PlayStation four and people would make fun of me, but then I would look at them and they would look amazing. And I was like, what's the problem? So, uh, so finally though, they got me, they got me with the Spider-Man two. I could not wait anymore. And with the slims coming out and the price uh, drops and, and stuff like that. I I finally caved and got me a PlayStation Five, and I'm honestly really excited about it because there's nothing like getting a console mid-generation when there is stuff to catch up on uh, and into play. And it is funny because the the mirror image I have to this is the PlayStation Three, which I got I think when Uncharted Two came out or thereabouts, um, and I'd I'd been mainly an Xbox 360 player. Uh, and then i was able to go back um to uh to to the games i'd missed on playstation 3 there was a bunch of them and it was really fun it's really fun getting these consoles like and then suddenly getting access to these games that you were locked from playing before And uh, and they feel like, I don't know, they've got this added level of special to them because they're they're, you know, now available to you and such. So um, so it is it is uh, it is fun. So I've been playing a bit. I started Spider-Man 2 um, and I'm in this weird situation, Ryan. And this is like a continuation of sort of stuff we talked about in Dungeons and Diapers, where I recently replayed. Spider, Marvel Spider Man, and Marvel Spider Man Miles Morales, and all of the Spider Man DLC on the PlayStation Four with my girls watching, and they were into it. And I know, like, there's violence and stuff, whatever. I'm aware, Uh, and uh, but they're into it, and they were really excited that I got Spider Man Two. So now I can't really play Spider Man Two without them. So I'm. Uh, and they 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 they're like guilting me hard, so <laughs> I I get to play like half an hour of it a day right now or something like I'm moving at a snail's pace, Ryan. It's driving me absolutely nuts, and so I'm like, do I save? Do I have a secret save that I start doing? And I go ahead, and then I have to load it when I put it in sleep mode, so that when we boot it up, we're we're booting it in their save. You know, I'm like trying to sneak by my girls at this point. To, to, to figure stuff out But uh, yeah I'm used to these games Going into suspend and then you Come back and you're into that game again So it's weird loading Having separate saves or separate games And I just feel like if I do that I'm going to mess it up and I also feel like They want to see the whole game so why can't I just Be patient and play it with them Anyway what are your thoughts
0: uh, That would be very tough for me To do I I definitely have um, Multiple saves going uh, For for Mario Wonder uh where i I play with the kids on uh Caden's save and then I, I have a save of my own and I remember Caden came in and he's like it's like wait how far are you? Like what what save is this? Like, well this is daddy's save and it's like and he was more concerned about his save being overwritten. It's like no no you have your profile it's there. Oh, yeah. there. Um yeah
1: I have I, a I have a double save of Mario Wonder I started with but that has no story element so I can't be spoiled of anything. So it's just like I I you know they don't care. I don't care about that. And I, I pretty much have dropped my save for now on Mario Wonder because I just got too much stuff going on. And we're playing Family Mario Wonder, which is awesome, and I'm loving it. We're in the Desert World on that. I won't talk about that necessarily today, but, um, but I know that I will eventually solo those levels in Mario Wonder and have a good time with that. But I'm, I'm not there yet. But for Spider Man, it's one of those things. Like there are a series of plot mysteries uh, that, that honestly already have my hooks in that in their their hooks in and stuff and i will share a very very this is i think an extremely light spoiler for early in spider-man 2 to give you the idea of the, the type of plot hooks that, that 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 they set up to get get you interested and in wanting to know more and so if you don't want to hear this i'm going to say it really quick you can probably fast forward like 20 30 seconds Spoiler starting in very light, very light spoiler starting in (laughs) five, four, three, two, one. So Miles's mother tells him that she's going to start dating again and wants to introduce him to her boyfriend and or like the, the guy that she's most seeing. And, you know, there's like an uncomfortable, like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool type thing that you would expect conversation. But but I am like I don't know who the boyfriend is. I'm really hoping he's some nice nobody person and it's just like a a growth thing for Miles. But like having consumed my fair share of comic book stuff in the, in my life, I'm just like, Oh, it's going to be some bad guy or whatever, you know, it's going to be some villain. But like, now I really want to know, I really want to know who real Morales boyfriend is, you know, and this is the type of, there's a series spoilers over. There's a series <laughs> of these types of plot hooks that are, that are, that are laid down and, um, And they make me want to play – they make me want to play more. And they don't work on the girls as much as me, although very early in the game, in the opening scene of the game, there's a question of will Peter Parker – get fired from his job or not which could be the overarching arc of spider-man's entire fictional life will peter get fired um and uh, they were desperate to know if he was going to get fired they didn't care about the giant battle that was going on they just wanted to know is he going to get fired so they do a really great job with these little character plot hooks that make you want to see what's next and i'm struggling i'm like oh god i want to see what is next and i'm playing astro Bought, I think, the uh, the built in uh, game as well, and the girls and I are loving that. I didn't anticipate it was going to be such a love letter to PlayStation. Like it feels like I would love to see what the Nintendo equivalent of this would be. And I know there was a Nintendo Land on the Wii that brought all these worlds together, but I don't think anything to the extent of this Astro Bot thing. And uh, it's a showcase, obviously, for the controller, which really feels crazy. Like it does, you know, I know a lot of you have had PS5s for years. I'm just, I'm just getting my hands on, on the Sense now. And it really does feel, uh, neat, cool. Um, the way that Spider-Man uses it, the way that Astro Boy uses it, it feels like something different. Like that wasn't, and I'm not saying that that alone makes Spider-Man 2, feel next gen but spider-man 2 does feel and maybe it's because i just played the two previous spider-man games uh, so i have a point of comparison but it definitely does feel like an improvement on so many fronts in terms of processing power speed spider-man just zips around that city so crazy web wings swinging like air currents and as much as there's so much stupid non-spider-man shit to all of this like the web wings I've I've gone on huge rants on, on
0: Dungeons and diapers. He but, has web wings in the MCU. That's canon, is it not? And he has so them in the, in the comics in, as well. In the
1: very first comics, he has these little, but they're like they're de- they're decorative, Ryan. <laughs> they they do nothing. You don't see him gliding across air currents on these mega thing. You just you do not see that. And so I've always had a beef of like it's not very Spider Man y. But here is the thing, Ryan. It is so fun <laughs> that I cannot begrudge the non-spider-manness because it is so goddamn fun. And I will say, like, and Ryan, you're you're better on the memory stuff for for this, but is this the company that made Sunset Overdrive?
0: Yes. Like, Insomniac did, made, yeah.
1: And did it make Infamous? Or am uh, I getting it is that no. Sucker
0: Punch? Infamous. Infamous is Sucker Punch, yeah.
1: Okay. So I but still, either way, I would say that these guys at make locomotion like moving around cities like nobody's business. If if you look at Sunset Overdrive and the Spider-Man games, it's like and and for me that is some of the most fun. Going back to like this PC MMO City of Heroes, I used to play. Getting the locomotion powers was the best best thing and like in this like moving around the city just feels so good and i would argue that there's about three or four sets of mechanics that you can use to get around the city that are not even like like you can swing you can just swing all the time swing 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 and it is like fully fleshed out and super fun but then you can zip like is having a hard time with the dual sense cuz you really have to push down on the triggers. She pu- she's for some reason good at hitting them both at once so she zips. She's zipping a lot. You could just zip everywhere. You don't ever have to swing. You could go zip to point. The whole locomotion sy- system could just be zipping to point. It could just be swinging. It could just be web gliding like with the wings. You can glide with the wings and then there's these air currents that bring you up or move you around. Like but Having all three of these things together, plus, you know, the, the, the running and the, 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 you can even swim or, or slide on the, on the top of the water. You put all these tools together. You could have games that are based on just one of those things, but all of them together is just like, like it was fun swinging around the previous Spider-Man games, but this is like next level. Like the world is your playground, do whatever the heck you want. So yeah, I'm having a really good time with with that again just in the very early hours of the story of Spider-Man 2 so far really compelling like I want to know what happens I'm I'm really on board with the universe that they've created here and stuff the only criticism that that you know that I that I would level early on and this is like you know what type of gamer you are if this bothers you a lot it doesn't necessarily bother me that much most of the time but you will know, like like a lot of gamers are into like systems or a lot of um, having a lot of gameplay mechanisms and control. Spider Man sometimes just lets you do one thing, and it guides you. Like Ryan was talking about, walking simulator. Spider Man is sometimes like a crawling simulator. Like you'll, I, I did a, a level where I'm trapped in a sinking ship, and. All you can do is get out one way. Like you have no choices to make. You can't get out any. You can't walk on the ceiling or walk around. You've got it. There is a there is a track to get out of the level. And a lot of these big scripted set pieces um, in the game. It's like there's only one way to do them, right? Your choice in Spider Man is limited to what missions do you want to trigger at what given time, and then there's fights and what what punches or moves you want to string together in a fight. The stealth sections that come back from the last game are still there. So, like, you can still, like, mix and match stealth tactics, make some choices in stealth, like, sandboxes, in the same way the Batman Arkham games worked. Uh, Although, again, I thought this the first time, I think, at this time too. It is ridiculously overpowered for this Spider-Man to be in stealth. He's already got superpowers. Batman didn't. That's the argument there. But, like, Spider-Man is, like you know, he's, he's kicking ass, taking names, went without stealth. So add that. And it's just like crazy, but it's still fun. And you have some choice, but most of the time when you're playing these scripted pieces or scripted levels, you're going, you're playing an interactive cinematic with quick time events, or you're just going through a, a, a corridor space. And I don't mind it because I'm into the story and it's like, it is what it is. Right. But I, you know, like, there are bits where you're playing as Peter Parker. I played this one early on. It was a flashback bit and, and you don't control, like there's no decisions to make. Like you're like, they tell you where to go. You got to go here. You got to do that. Very similar to uncharted in that regard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. and, And it's very much the PlayStation formula for their first party titles to have those like scripted moments. And I think it was really born out of the uncharted franchise where you have like, You know, you're you're trying to escape a a falling train or uh, get out of a a sinking ship or something, Uh, you know. And I think that um, Spider-Man 2 sort of continues that trend of having those set pieces. But I think what is really great about the game is that it's a continuation of those other Spider-Mans in terms of like the layers of narrative. You have the main story, then you have a lot of these. Side quests that might be one-offs, but then you have like series of side quests that are uh, another story, and I think it really plays into what they did with Arkham and and those games of where Spider-Man's New York City is similar to Batman's um uh, Gotham in that there's like it's not just the main narrative going on. There's a lot going on in the city, and Spider-Man is a hero that has to be you know in many places at once. It helps that there are two Spider-Mans uh, or Spider-Man oh, yeah. now. Um, and the game really leans into that too, where you are swapping between the two at sometimes by your own choice, sometimes by narrative choice. And, um, and each Spider-Man sort of has their own sort of set of side quests that is, is unique to them. Um, and it's really interesting.
1: I got a question for you. This Mm -hmm. is like a, this is the completionist part of your brain. Like I'm just curious about. So there are some missions, as you said, you can play as Peter, there's some that you can play as Miles, even in the background ones. But then there's some you can play as both of them, right? But if you're playing it as Peter, there's going to be a different different vocal performance. He's going to say different things than if you're playing it as Miles. So you're missing out on stuff. You're missing out. Like if you choose to do it as Peter, well, you missed out on the Miles version of that interaction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like – does that make you crazy? Like, do you – are like, oh, no, I'm missing this thing. I would have liked to have seen how Maz would have handled it. I'm going to have to replay the whole game a second <laughs> time and do all of them in my – like, does does it – because I, I, I don't say I have FOMO. I just did this very light side mission about fireworks like it was a nothing burger and uh i did it as peter and already i'm like i'm thinking to myself how would miles have like would he have like said something different like how would it have been and it, it adds replayability when you but i'm not sure i'm going to remember which missions i played as peter or which ones i played as miles you know
0: yeah uh it, it didn't it doesn't really bother me but honestly when i was playing i, I had a similar thought of like oh it would have been interesting uh to see how you know, miles would have handled this or Peter would have handled it. Um, and I think that the game, look I don't know for, for a fact, but like, I think there were moments in the narrative where Peter's Spider-Man was in a different place than miles Spider-Man. So like there were moments for side quests were up and I'm like, okay, I got to do a couple side quests, um, where I would, I would avoid playing as Peter because narratively it didn't make sense for him to go and, you know help people you know or or go out of his way to do errands essentially um you're talking
1: about like i think it's all in the marketing we could just say it he gets yes, of the course. black su- he gets the black
0: suit right i think and it's even I, on the box you know like i
1: i, I know that at one point he's going to get the black suit i i am also wondering like if i had never tackled this like newbie fireworks mission and peter eventually gets the black suit, if I could do it, if there's like a third version, like I wonder if there's a Peter version, a Miles version, and an angsty Peter version. Like I, I, you know, I don't know, but there's definitely a lot of work that has gone into it. And I, you know, I, I appreciate that. I meant the early impressions still of Spider-Man two, but I will say that I I'm pleasantly uh, surprised, enjoying everything so far. It's still a bit of a dated game in the sense of mechanics. Like it's still like icons, you know, there's a Sandman thing and then there's a, it's also story structurally almost structured identically to the previous game, you know, from the opening set piece with a villain, in the first game that being Kingpin, in the second game that being somebody else, to to uh to then flowing into a mystery gang that arrives, you know, like in the first one that's the demons, in the second one it's as you've seen in the marketing Craven and stuff and his hunters, you know, I think there's a scene where Peter's crawling through a building in the first one. And he's like, who are these demons? What are the demons? And then in the second one, he's crawling through a building. He's like, who are these hunters? What are <laughs> the hunters? And I'm like, oh, okay. So it's very much like, and, and I almost can see the beats of like, you know, the first one has Dr. Otto Octavius's story that, that builds and you know turns a certain way, and there's also stuff in the second in in the second one that I'm seeing, like they're setting the stage for something else to turn a, a certain way, and so I'm just like frameworks narratively it looks very it's it works very similar to the first one. Um, missions and 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 stuff very similar all of that but i say that those types of games are less common now and i almost enjoy them more and honestly it works really well for spider-man so you know as much as i can see the lines it hasn't bothered me and i've played a lot of spider-man i thought i might be od'd on it but it feels really good so far i'm really really enjoying it so very very positive on it like you Know they just announced, and we're going to talk about it a bit later. The game award nominations, I think that the lack of innovation is something that is going to you know you would want to ding a game like Spider Man on it. It's all polish and, and, and little innovation, and that's fine, that can be fine too. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I'm enjoying it. I would say the reason I haven't I haven't like, been in it too too much is because I'm still playing Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty on the Xbox Series X. And uh, it is funny because like I'll be playing that, and it's narratively driven, and I'm really into where it's at. And I'm, I think I'm midway through the story or a little bit further. And whenever I put it down, I stay up past my bedtime. I'm like, oh, I need to know what happens next. I'm loving the feeling of playing that game. The 2.0 update is super great. Uh, I, I'm playing this character that, that is big on pistols and, and, and has sort of like slow-mo pistol shooting, but also does a lot of instant hacks. And, and, and so I'm mixing up the hacks with the pistol shooting and it's very, very fun. I'm enjoying it immensely. Um, and then like, it just feels like abundance of riches because I got the Spider-Man 2, I got cyberpunk, Phantom Liberty. And then I I make a little time every week to play a Baldur's Gate 3 campaign I have going with some of my friends and that is being super awesome as well. So holy moly, what a year 2023 is in video games.
0: Yeah, you are uh you are busy but focused, which I appreciate cuz you've got you're following my rule of like one game per platform. You've got uh well, I say following my rule but like <laughs> do as I say not as i do um you've got spider-man 2 on the playstation 5 you've got cyberpunk on the xbox then you have Baldur's gate 3 on pc slash uh, steam deck depending on how you're uh, handling that one but uh that's i think that's the right approach and then wonder on the switch you know um i think i know
1: but when you started that line i thought you were going to be like You're following my approach of one game at a time. I was like, that's not your approach, (laughs) right? You play so many games. And then but like (laughs) you're like, you you follow you're following my approach of one drug at a time every day of the week. You know, I'm like, what? That's not so, so yes, I agree. I, I am playing one game at a time on per every platform. system yeah, yeah. yeah. so <laughs> you so yeah. another way of saying that ryan is i'm playing five games at a time
0: i know but uh, <laughs> that's and that's where i i like to look I, I i've been doing this show for over 10 years i think everyone who's listened to this show for for even a year uh knows that ryan is not one to play one game at a time uh that can be seen in the notes that i have two games here but I think where I try to limit myself because I know I won't be able to play one at a time um, is I try to have one active game per platform. That doesn't mean I, have, I don't have a backlog. Boy, do I have a backlog. Um, stuff will constantly fall off uh, the, the top tier of the list before I finish it. But I, I try to have one game per platform because it's, I find it's easier to not have stuff get left behind. But stuff gets left behind. You know, there's a reason Crofton uh, makes fun of me for saying I got to get back to that, which is true. We'll probably talk about that when we get to the game awards. I've got my got to finish this game for game of the year. There's always one every year. Uh, We'll talk about that.
1: This year is brutal. It's like crazy the the amount of games and also the ones that are narratively driven. And I find that those are the games like cuz we we talked briefly about Mario Wonder. Yes, I have my own game in Mario Wonder, but I just like I love playing that game with my family. We're having a blast playing it together. We communicate well, so it's not so bad even though one of us is 5 years old. Um it, there's ways of setting it up For success like giving the younger children the invincible character my wife plays yoshi and gives rides to my daughters at times where they're struggling like it's just really it's really we 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 do it as a family it would be very possible to get annoyed but but we haven't yet and as the game moves on the innovation of levels the creativity it's so magical it's so fantastic but when i am playing solo I'm just not gripped. Like I'm not pulled along. Like, oh, it's fun to play a level. It's fun to do this and that. But like when you compare it to like, you know, Spider-Man 2 or Cyberpunk where the story is like, what is going to happen next? And the gameplay is there too in these games that are fun to play. But you're you're playing like you're being pushed along for the story. You want to uh, feel the, the beats of the story. And I have to say that that's like, you know, when they revealed the sp- sale numbers and wonder did amazing on sales but i always knew spider-man 2 would come out of the gate big on sales because people want to know what happens in the story they're invested in insomniac's world it's like a big opening for a movie will mario wonder sell more copies overall yeah probably you know because those switch games have legs like you wouldn't freaking believe and nobody necessarily needs a wonder game uh, a mario game on day one you know it's going to be just as fun Four months later and you will somebody will probably spoil the fact that mario beats bowser for you but uh aside from that there's not much you can spoil you know so like uh that's that's what's great they're timeless in that way but they they also don't have that pull that that these other games have and i i I tell you like for me it's hard to play more than one of those games because you get really I, i don't know how you balance these story driven games. If I'm in a story driven game, I want to see that story through to completion. I don't want to jump to another story driven game, you know, like if like Spider-Man five, I kind of would like to just plow through it and see that, you know, not bounce between it and cyberpunk. I find that actually kind of hard to do.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, there are games that um, will sort of get their, their, their claws into me. And I think Spider-Man two was one of those where, actually honestly all all of the first party playstation games that come out really have that approach of like okay this is going to be what i'm playing and focusing on for until i beat it so spider-man 2 is one of those where i didn't play anything else until i would finished it or at least finished the the story um i've since platinum platinum i got hundred percent on it platinum it, platinum it, platinum yeah uh so i did get the platinum trophy on that one finally got to that uh and same with God of War Ragnarok. It was just, you know, no other game exists until I've I've seen this narrative through. Uh, and I think that's like... There's very few games that, that, that sort of take that approach. I think Tears of the Kingdom was one of those, um, just to see the story through, even though it, that is an, an immense game outside of just the, the main narrative. Um, but there are... Baldur's Gate 3 should have been, but it... Um, it's such a vast game that I think it, yeah. it, it was its own. Look, it's not its fault. It's, 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 it's on me. Uh, and it's a game I, I am planning to finish before, before. got to uh, get back to it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I knew you'd, uh, you'd pick up on that. I was actively avoiding saying that, but you <laughs> saved me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Spider-Man two was one of those where I, I had to finish it because I knew once the algorithm social media algorithm kind of got a hold of it it would start to surface not not immense spoilers but light spoilers like and it's a game that i did not want to be spoiled at all on like story beats jokes uh lines like um even just appearances by characters like even and this is like right at the beginning of the game and was in the launch trailer but like i had no idea sandman was in it or, or played a major character it is like the first encounter you have in the game, like with a bad guy, but he's new to the insomniac sort of mythos of Spider-Man. And I mean, but this is the thing about the way insomniac is, is handling Spider-Man because they've kind of got, they kind of got this whole comic book world to play with and they do their own thing. So, you know, yeah, you know, a character that exists in the comic book world is likely to show up at some point or be hinted to, the amount of like layering they have here yeah. where they can they've hinted at like they could do spin-offs they could do sequels they could do DLC and and i think i think there are like some clear like oh that's definitely going to be DLC or that's definitely going to be in Spider-Man 3 but then there are other ones of like okay like how does this fit in is this is this a part of the DLC cuz like and we don't know if there's going to be DLC but the first one had it so
1: they made a big deal for when the first one came out to stress the fact that the Spider-Man that they were going to be following, it was a Spider-Man in his 20s that was not a teenage Spider-Man from school because that had been explored so much in the films Every film that came out was set in high school. It's the the adult Peter that had a little bit more seasoning that you see in the comics often and in different places. He just hasn't had much of a space. So they decided to go with that. Actually, the first game opened with him taking down like arch rival the kingpin, you know, like who he'd been ostensibly feuding with for years or trying to take down for years. And so they've they've decided that some of Spider-Man's villains have existed in this world. Uh, a lot of the B tier or whatever, a lot of you know like the scorpions and sandman's and what have you, they they they're they're, um, they're all there, electros or whatever, but for some reason Spider-Man's triple A arch enemies, the Doc Ox, Venom's, and Green Goblins, are not there yet, and so it is an interesting approach because, like, he's been around for a long time, and these villains are, you know, are coming to life uh, um, in in this series, and so they're like, they're, you know, they're retconning, saying, yeah, Sandman, he's he knows Sandman, he's fought Sandman a bunch of times. You're fighting him at the beginning of Spider-Man too, but like, you know, it's not the first time. That he tangles with Sandman, but then there's other characters that you see their origin in the series. So it is funny how they make that they make that choice in sort of crafting the narrative. It's 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 kind of like it's kind of impressive, but it makes me think that Spider-Man's world, or at least Peter's world, has been pretty vanilla because the big arch enemies that involve his personal life. Are just are just coming to the fore now so like he's just been dealing with like super powered noobs up until this point <laughs> the other the other thing is that miles is a new character in the comics a like newish by comic standards right and he doesn't have that many villains in fact the into the spider verse by sort of retconning or changing the prowler to being his uncle the into the spider verse movie like that ha- has given him this big you know, Spider-Man connection. But otherwise, most of Spider-Man's Rogue Gallery, one of the most famous in comics and serves very well as bosses for video games, are almost all Peter's enemies. And by putting both of them in this game, it kind of allows Miles to interact with these villains or have these villains. Because even in Miles's solo game, which I just finished, they they retconned one of the Spider-Man's um Uh, you know, original villains, the tinkerer and the tinkerer uh, first showed up in the very near, the very beginning of the amazing Spider-Man in the 1960s. Uh, And they, they changed the origin for the tinkerer, her powers and all of this gender swapped, all of this and, and made it connect to miles, which was genius, but there weren't really that many other big supervillain bosses in that game. Um, because Miles just doesn't have that that depth of Rose Rogue Gallery. So it's very cool to see by having them both in the same game they can have Miles interact with these characters that he likely wouldn't interact with as much outside of it, you know?
0: Yeah. No, I I think that makes sense. It, it's it's um it is really interesting how they've been able to sort of weave the, the narrative in a way where, like, you're right, like, there... And there's some really cool narrative moments that you haven't gotten to yet that I'm not going to spoil in terms of, you know, the, the, the history that Spider-Man has with these villains Um and the fact that it must be narratively freeing for Insomniac to be like, no, we're not gonna... We're not gonna give you the origin for Sandman. You know, you've either read the comics or you've seen the movies or... We'll make a one line comment about it and um, that's going to be enough. Like you don't need to see the origin of you really get the origin of. Well, in the first one, it's it's Doc Ock. And then in the second one, you you know, Venom pops up at one point. So like they don't overcomplicate it, you know. Uh, And as you said, the Tinkerer and the Miles Morales, um, uh, I, I would call it an expansion, but I guess it's like a. I think expansion is the easy way to put it but it doesn't require the base game. It's it's kind of like a, oh, it's, a it's, it's, it's a game. It's a own game. Yeah. It's its own game. Yeah. It's shorter, it's tighter, it's not a full price game but it's not it's not an expansion, but you're right. It's like a, it's like a I don't know what they call it like it's a You're right. It's,
1: it's a, a game. I mean, it's a 1.5, right? It's like it's like um Uncharted, The Lost Legacy, you know, and honestly, these types of games are the games that we kind of need. Like, I see them doing all this work on these games. I'm playing cyberpunk in Night City, this like amazingly realized city. And one thing that's so awesome about Dogtown, the new district they added. For the, it's not that expansive in terms of like square footage, but it is dense. Like you can go to a bunch of places, you can see a bunch of things. Where Night City is so huge, which is cool, but you can't go into any of the buildings. It has this immense verticality when you look up, but for the most part, you can't go up. You know, like it's just. It's just like um, instead of you know they're talking about what's next for Cyberpunk, they could they could dig out that city, they could add so much to it. And I would almost like what they've done here when in, Insomniac's done because they've taken New York City and now they've added Queens and Brooklyn, right? And like in Spider-Man Three, they could just add New Jersey or Staten Island or whatever. <laughs> they could just they they could grow their world a little bit or while adding depth to it each time. I think that that's a good use of development resources. You know, I, I really, I really do. These 1.5s, like Miles's game, yeah, was in New York City, but it was during Christmas. So everything, you know, and Batman Arkham Origins did this a little bit with Arkham City's map, kind of like remixed it, changed the season, changed the context. And it's just like, I personally like going back to places like, you know, when i was playing red dead redemption 2 i was like oh man i can't it'd be really awesome to go back to some of the places from red dead redemption 1 you know um you're hit with nostalgia and stuff so i do think game developers sometimes make their lives too difficult by setting games in entirely new locations where they could just like enhance the old one or just add more content for the old one like i haven't finished spider-man Two yet but like I, the DLC for Spider-Man one, I just recently played and I hope they do something like that for this game as well, that there's more stuff that's added afterwards that we can keep playing around and using the stupid web wings in the city, you know?
0: <laughs> well, the DLC for the first one kind of, uh, allowed the narrative to continue in a way that further brought Miles Morales, um, into being Spider-Man as well. Right. Which led to the the 1.5. So I think a, a piece of DLC uh, could uh, could serve a couple purposes and and get us to um, a point where we have an, uh, I guess a 2.5 um, because Spider Man three, which will which will happen, is happening, has not been formally announced, but like it's happening because uh, this thing has sold crazy numbers and PlayStation has a obviously a. A relationship with marvel in terms of the spider-man character and insomniac is owned by sony so like it's just a matter of time it's after wolverine though um but yeah it's just uh it's gonna happen it'll be interesting to see you know we'll probably be waiting a couple years before we hear anything but
1: um they're like spider you know spider-man just needs a jet pack uh (sighs) You know, like we—he's got web wings. He can swing, jet back, maybe some laser beams. uh, You know, like I just feel like if if I look at from two from one to two, I'm like, what do they do next? You know, they got web
0: wings. I I mean, at a certain point, right? I'm going to put this out there. At a certain point, you you've perfected web slinging and traversal, and really, there's not. I like I don't even know what else you'd add. Like, and I mean to your. To your point of, like, jetpacks, like, you will unlock some abilities that, you know, do give you a boost for traversal as well. It's not a jetpack, but, like, they do augment that traversal further for both Peter and Miles. You do
1: get a jetpack. You don't get a (laughs) (laughs) jetpack.
0: You don't get a jetpack.
1: It's for sure going to be something that boosts the web wings. And then it's just like, you don't even need to swing anymore. You can just do, you can do barrel rules now. I'm like, Oh God. Uh, yeah. but to, you know, I, I say that, but it's still super goddamn fun. So
0: it is super fun. It is super fun. But anyways, you were speaking of nostalgia, which I think was, uh, was a great point to move to our final game here, which is, uh, you will die here tonight and Crofton, don't worry. That's not a threat. This is a video game. We're going to talk about for a little bit. Um, it is I a never game. heard of it,
1: which makes no. it sound like a threat.
0: Exactly. That's why I had to offer that that caveat. Um, but uh yeah, you will die here tonight is a new game. It came out on Halloween, heavily inspired by uh or the original Resident Evil games, like PS1 Resident Evil Games. And, you know, I think folks at home, if you haven't heard of this, Google this game because immediately you're gonna see like a very distinct uh retro. Art style, like very rarely do you see games. You know, you have the pixel art, you have um, sort of. Well, I think pixel art's the, the clear one. and Then you have like the HD pixel art, but very rarely do games sort of apply that retro look of like um, initial 3D games, like PS1 and 64. It's it's a very difficult look to make modern and um, interesting. I find. Uh, not many games do it, but this one did it. I think they did a really good job. So the game breaks down to, uh, into two modes of, of gameplay, which is basically you have your top down sort of retro aesthetics where you're, you're sort of exploring this mansion. Uh, they call it Breckenridge hall. Um, and it's very much, you know, in line with that original resident evil mansion. You even have the characters like bursting through the front door and, and arriving in this lobby that is straight ripped right out of Resident Evil one like there is no joke here this is uh, this is a game heavily inspired by these these initial Resident Evil experiences but the cool thing about this is is as you're walking around the environment uh, you can trigger combat and when you do it is tank controls in a way that you when you aim and enter combat you go to a first person view and then you're shooting uh, zombies and various monsters um, from first person keeping with that retro style of like that initial 3D look and feel. So it's it's got a very unique look to it, and I think they really uh, they really nail it and run with it. Um, but yeah, like similar to the Resident Evil games, there's puzzles, you're scavenging for supplies, you're upgrading your gear. Uh, but what makes this thing super unique, even more so, is that there is a uh, sort of a roguelite element to it, where you have access to six characters and when one of them dies, you uh, restart, not restart, but you go back into the level with a new character. Um, Your progression stays the same in terms of like monsters you've slain and, and, and and ammo you've collected. But um, depending on how the character died, whether it was by zombie bite or through a trap, there are various traps uh, you might have to fight, your colleague that has been turned into a zombie, and then you can loot the body and, and get uh, get your ammo back and stuff like that. Um, key items do uh, do sort of warp to the new character that you're controlling. To a certain, there's even a line in the game where one of the characters is like, "Why am I suddenly carrying these giant tomes or something?" And it's and it's because the key items will warp to the new characters, so that you don't have to go and find the puzzle pieces to solve certain puzzles and stuff like you just get that in your key items. So there's a bit of like hand wavy stuff there, but like the ammo, the ammo essentially like that you're finding around the world that is finite and stuck to the character that, that collected it until you go collect it after um you find their either their body or their zombie body. Uh, but it is a, it's, it, in the similar vein to the invincible. It's like a, it's like a shorter experience, about five hours. I played it entirely on the steam deck, both docked and undocked, uh, and very much enjoyed it. Of course, big zombie. It's a zombie game. It's, uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of the genre Crofton. You, you probably know this, uh, you should start your own zombie
1: podcast.
0: <laughs> it's funny. You mentioned that. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a, a topic of ours that we're going to be tackling now that we finished the game, uh, on zombies ain't my podcast, but, uh, it's very rare that you get these zombie games that come out that try to do something different. Um, And this is certainly one of the more unique games I've played this year with in terms of like the the inspiration from the original Resident Evil games, like not looking at Resident Evil four, you know, and being like, let's make a zombie game, but let's make it like Resident Evil four. Like this is very much taking RE one PlayStation one and saying like, how do we, write a love letter to that game with, you know, keeping the the art style and sort of the writing. And there's just a lot of moments where you're like, even the puzzles that you're solving are like, Oh man, this is, this is reminding me of like retro Resident Evil hardcore right now. So it's a really fun one. I really enjoyed it. And again, it's a quick play. It's about five hours, not a long game. And, uh, it was a, it was a nice break and, and to play around Halloween was also fun too. So, um, don't play very many scary games.
1: I took a look at a couple of the images, and it honestly, like you did a good job describing, it sounds very much like what you said. Um, and there is an appeal. To me on that, and based on what you you you've recommended, like I can see it, it being good. But I will I w- I'm gonna use this game as an example of, of something that I've noticed recently, particularly with kind of like indie level games, which is that if you name your game something ridiculous or stupid. I am much less inclined to want to play it. So like th- this title, I think does this game a disservice. And I know this type of stuff is in the eye of the, the beholder. Like some people might be like, "No, oh, you, you're going to die tonight. That's an awesome sounding name. And to them, I say, a, you're wrong, but B you're right. Re- you're allowed your opinion. Um, but, but I just think that like, I've seen this before and there's other games recently Uh, and there's not one that's jumping to mind right now, but I I definitely see these games where people, you know, for every clever, like Dave the Diver, you're like, oh, what's that about? And you're kind of, kind of well thought out or or like play on words or has has some rhythm to it you've got names like this one that immediately like when i saw it in the notes i was like what is this game and you (laughs) did you were like fighting an uphill battle to convince me that it was worth you know it was worth checking out and i just think the devs are doing them they're doing all this work and they're doing themselves a disservice when they're naming their games like like this and i think maybe i personally don't like sentences or you know like like you know with with a verb in action and you will die like you're it's it's like it's it's too much almost i would i i would prefer to have like a two-word title or a single word word title you know but anyway i'll get off my pulpit
0: it's, I think it's a valid, uh, criticism. I think the name is one thing that stuck out at me too, but I know like my co-host on, on Zamp Lou was really looking forward to this game. And, uh, so we decided to, to both play it. And I think that it has a narrative reason for the title. Of course, like you will die here tonight. There are, of course you're playing a zombie game. Like you're probably going to die, but also like there's a, there's a narrative reason talking about like the roguelite elements where you, when you die, you can come back as another character And then there are further narrative moments where if all your characters die, it's not game over. You can kind of like restart with your roster again. There's like this time loop maybe thing going on. And it it just makes the narrative a little more a little more interesting and that it isn't just how do we escape this mansion? You know, there's a little more going on there. Uh, And that's that's all I'll say, like in terms of like the story, because there's there there is a there's a really interesting narrative that they kind of. They move away from it's not just the mansion in Resident Evil. It's there's a little more going on. There might be some some ghost elements. There might be some, you know, there's mystery. There's a mystery afoot. Uh and um I think there was, uh, there was one other point I was gonna make, but I think that it's it's also uh yeah, like it, it's just it's got a lot of interesting layers to it, but again, it's not like a it's not a game that overstays its welcome. You know, like I think this was a 10 hour game or like a typical resident evil length of about 12 to 15 hours. Like that'd be too much. So at five hours, it's a really, you know, it's got a good pace to it. You know, it doesn't overstay. It's welcome. The combat is, is it's fun. It's not like anything crazy. Like you unlock new weapons and some new abilities and stuff, but like, there's not like a, a whole deep combat mode to it. Like you get a couple different weapons and, and some defense mechanics, but other than that, like it's it's just aiming, clicking, and and going about your business. That was the other thing in terms of your characters dying. There are some gameplay moments where characters dying can help you solve a puzzle. Uh, I'll use one example of like so: if you're terrible at a puzzle, one of the puzzles, like you know, you play that game where you you have three cups, you put something under a cup, and you kind of move them around. And you have to follow the thing. Um there's a a puzzle in the game where there's these iron maidens and you're trying to get a a valve to open some doors and the valve is in one of the iron maidens like tucked up underneath. And then you hit a switch because you want to get that valve. It it starts switching these iron maidens around. And then if you, if you're like me and you're you're not constantly paying attention to a game and you miss out where that valve is, uh, you go to get it and then your character dies. So of course you restart in, you go back to it because you need the valve to progress the game and you go back in and you, you get to the same puzzle. Well, you know, it's not the one that has your uh, teammate stuck in the Iron Maiden that has been killed. So now suddenly instead of three options, you have two options to pick from. So there are those elements of like both in terms of puzzles and boss mechanics and different you know combat mechanics where um, you, you can use you know, you, the characters, you can like kind of progress in a way where you're making the game easier for yourself by by sort of working through um, the maps and the missions and stuff with with your characters. So you don't have to worry. So you will die in the game. And it kind of serves a purpose in the sense that it helps you progress through the game as well. It's not it's not super punishing in that. Like I, I found enough resources that I was able to restart with my six characters. I never hit a game over screen. Um the game is somewhat forgiving in that regard, so it's it's not a roguelite in that sense, but um like I said, it it's a game that knows its limitations. It it knows it it's got the right pace to it, it doesn't overstay its welcome, and it doesn't frustrate you with, with some of the mechanics that might frustrate you if you were playing like a roguelite or something. So I recommend it. And not just because it has zombies in it, it's just a really cool throwback, and it's very rare that you get these games that uh, that run with that like classic 3D look.
1: There was one recently um on Xbox Game Pass I I I know it got good reviews it was like in a space station. Does that ring a bell to you? Um, starts with an S I
0: think. Oh yeah. Uh was it's, it I'm I'm drawing
1: a, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> was
0: it was it a game? There, it was also a roguelite or a roguelike or whatever. I think I, it was like Space Bastards or something. I can't remember what it was called. Um or Space Void or Void Space or I don't know, Space uh rope-like. No,
1: it it wasn't it wasn't that. That one was like that that's uh a, a different type of game. No, it was like Sig- Signalis? Is that it? Signalis Oh,
0: okay yeah signalis yes 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 it's a humble game
1: it had it had quite some buzz going for it and it was like it inspired itself by like the um the playstation one graphics sure. which no offense like maybe it's just like i i like what they did i looked at the screenshot from the game that you recommended but that is not an area uh, a time period of which I have tremendous nostalgia for Like I played a lot in Nintendo 64. If somebody is like, ah, oh, we're releasing a game and it's going to have N64 style graphics. I'd be like, okay, pass, you know, yeah. like <laughs> I don't They. it's like if the way I see it is eight bit, was kind of perfected by 16-bit. I actually don't even, when somebody's like, we have 8-bit inspired graphics, I'm like, well, I kind of more prefer if you have 16-bit inspired graphics. That's a nicer look. And then for the same, it's like 3D. If if somebody's like, we, we made it kind of like the PlayStation 2. I'd be like, okay, I can deal with that. But PlayStation 1, I'm sorry. I don't have a ton of uh, nostalgia for that that that's not to say that the game you recommend i looked at it it did it well i like what it's done with its art style i'm yeah. just not i have no nostalgia to to the the polygon horrors of the uh of the original playstation
0: yeah i think and you know when recommending this game it's like it's more about if you're a fan of the original resident evils and then second that sort of like early 3d look because you're right like there's probably a reason nintendo hasn't leaned into like an n64 mini uh because you would you run into a lot of issues with that early 3D that that it's not I mean if you if you sat your kids down and like had them play like all of the different Nintendo online things, you know, they'd probably love them all except for maybe the NES uh and the N64 because those are that early generation. Maybe the Game Boy too, like some of the although those were those are fun, you know, like I think I think you're going to run into trouble with that early 3D because it, for the most part, outside of a couple games, it hasn't aged super well. Um, I think the only one that comes to mind that probably, like, is still good these days is Super Mario 64. Maybe Ocarina of Time, although that, that has seen some remakes and some updates.
1: Well, I mean, if you're going to give it to Mario 64, then you could say the Banjo-Kazooie games or whatever. Like, you could you could point sure. to... You could point to a lot of them. I would say that Mario 64 is, does not hold up very well anymore outside of nostalgia. Like, it is nostalgia that, that lets it hold up. I think that if you were talking about a game that actually probably holds up today and that if I gave my kids the controller they would play, I think Paper Mario on Nintendo 64 is probably the one that would, like... they, True. they it's, It still looks pretty good, plays pretty good, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, again, it depends if you have an actual N64 controller. Cause as I've recently <laughs> learned, if you do not, you're at a huge disadvantage against people that do have N64 controllers.
0: Yeah. There's documented proof. And that's a good segue as well, because extra life is still going on. We did an N64 event where Crofton complained a lot about people playing with N64 controllers. Uh, but uh bit.ly slash TGI extra life, 2023, you can donate right up until the end of the year We have more events that are that are happening. There's going to be the holiday party uh, in December, mid-December, and uh, some other team members are going to be streaming. So we'll have details on that right here, as well as in our Discord and on socials. Um, If you want to support the show directly, you can go to patreon.com slash thegamersin. We appreciate everybody who supports us over on Patreon. Uh, It helps the show out a lot. And um, yeah, we really appreciate all the support now we're going to move into the news and um i know crofton you just bought a playstation 5 now um you knew this was going to happen as soon as you buy a new piece of tech another company's like well now it's time to announce our new thing uh there's a new steam deck a steam deck oled uh are you excited about uh, getting a new steam deck
1: Ryan, before I answer your question, I have a question about the lore of the Gamers Inn. <laughs> when when we switch to the news, is sure. it like is is it like a bard is coming in now and is like like regaling us, or are we going to a different room in the inn to talk about the like news or the scuttlebutt? Is it like rogues that are shuffling up to us and being like, "Hey, did you hear about the new Steam Deck type stuff?" Like, how is it, and how? Am I still wearing a blindfold?
0: Uh I honestly never thought of it until just now. Um I maybe. Maybe we go outside to get to get some air and there just so happens to be some posts.
1: We're smoking outside, like you know, we're 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 you know, it's old timeies, so people didn't realize that that was bad for you. We they can be pipes, they can be pipes. We're like where sure. did you hear about the new Steam Deck OLED?
0: Right. So are you going to buy a Steam Deck OLED, I guess, is what the next question would be. So hell no. But
1: <laughs> th- that's that's not because it's not cool. Like, honestly, if I, I have a Steam Deck, um, if I did not have a Steam Deck, I would absolutely buy this version of the Steam Deck. And, sure. and this is the thing I, I sort of like, I don't want to say... Come to terms with about the Steam Deck, but I think it's going to kind of be the future. Like we saw this week, the release of the PlayStation Portal, right? Which is a piece of hardware that is good for maybe like 1% of the population. Like it's, it allows you to stream games in your own house from your PlayStation 5, right? To a little portable device over your Wi Fi network. Now, your phone can do this. Uh, as can the Steam Deck and other devices, right? So I think that kind of like the future of a Steam Deck is—I don't want to say it, it's future-proof, but the idea that I have, like, what feels like a robust thing in my hands, and that it has a big wide screen, and that it's able to play a bunch of games natively on it, is awesome. But the fact that I can also stream through this device that has buttons and great, like, adaptable triggers, like, it has so much already baked into it means that, like, it's kind of future-proof in a weird way. So, like, every time, like, you know, as it gets outdated, if you can stream cloud, cloud game off it or even stream from your PS5 or Xbox or your PC onto it, well, then you're still getting tremendous – like you could still be using an old Steam Deck years from now playing the latest and greatest games. So what, what's annoying about this one is the OLED screen because honestly, you buy that – that's the thing that's missing from my Steam Deck to, to a certain extent. Like I don't really care if it has more sp- hard drive space or more um, – Uh, you know, a higher, you know, like a slightly higher performance or any of that stuff. I really don't because in the end of the day, I probably will never buy a new Steam Deck. I will just start streaming through my Steam Deck as opposed to playing directly from it, right? Or And so if that's the future, then I, I want a good feeling device with a nice screen. You know which is starting to sound like the PlayStation Portal, I know, but um, but 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 they can do they can do all the systems. Um and the Steam Deck could be that like like in you know five years from now I could still be using my Steam Deck that would be out of date but I'm 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 streaming from all my, my devices and it feels good in my hands. I can customize the buttons I can do all that. So I do think that if you're like, well, I don't know about the Steam Deck OLED. I'm going to wait until they do a Steam Deck 2.0. You can do that. There will be a Steam Deck 2.0. But then there'll be a Steam Deck 2.5 and a 3 and a whatever. And, you know, I just think that this the, – the one that's now, be it the old model or this one, is somewhat future-proof in a weird way if you are at a point where you're willing to pivot to remote play and cloud streaming at at one point, because your, your device, it will provide a home for that no matter what.
0: Yeah. And I mean, my main way of using the steam deck uh, is, is to play, you know, more of indie titles, like you will die here tonight, played entirely on, on the steam deck. And there are multiple games I'm going to be talking about in the coming weeks that I've been playing on the steam deck, Uh, in docked mode, both and in handheld mode. Um, I don't often play handheld. uh, So like the OLED, similar to the Switch, like the OLED upgrade, I'm sure looks great, but isn't enough for me to go through the hassle of selling the old one, transferring the saves, getting the new one. And then there's like a monetary thing in there as well where you are technically spending more money. Um, So like, I kind of envisioned there was going to be like an OLED version, like a 1.5 upgrade for the Steam Deck. Um, they still say they're like two to three years away from like a true 2.0 and really like the new stuff you're getting in this one is sort of incremental, non-essential, uh, upgrades. There's no performance boost to your games. Um, there is additional sort of room for your games to perform better in the sense that, um, the screen is not only is it OLED, it's HDR, uh, compatible, um, the refresh rate's been boosted to 90 Hertz so you can get a higher frame rate. So like there are little boosts there, but honestly, like it's not, it's not enough to completely remove the older steam decks from the store. Like you can still buy them. They're still there. Um, they say they've increased the battery life as well. Um, the new wifi chip.
1: That's what would do it for me. Like I forgot when I was going through my stupid rant earlier about the battery and and the battery of the steam deck, it, it relatively sucks. Like, especially if you're playing not an indie title, something that requires more graphical performance. I remember I was playing midnight Suns, which was uh, when we talk about snubs of the game awards, I'm going to bring up again, but uh, I was playing midnight Suns earlier this year on the steam deck and it would just kill the battery. Like, uh and um so yeah, more battery power is obviously always welcome. And I mean, to me when the Steam Deck 2 eventually comes out, if it really efficiently enhances battery, then that would be something that maybe I, I would look at.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so the battery I think they say is about thirty to fifty percent. Uh the new chipset for the Wi Fi, which supports Wi Fi 6E, will offer faster downloads. Um, It has new Bluetooth 5.3 support, which uh, will help with, um, uh, you know, your wireless audio latency and stuff like that. Um, And, you know, minor improvements that I think are going to help Valve, you know, really build a true Steam Deck 2 that is that I think is going to deliver on the okay I have to upgrade now. Like they specifically talk about how they want to be sort of the Apple within the handheld PC sort of market because they have that tie with their software and the hardware but they don't want to be like apple in the sense that they're announcing new steam decks every year um although it's the steam deck the steam deck did just come out last year i know i got mine last year but i think it's been i think that we're at the two-year anniversary is that correct dude don't look at me i'd have I know. to google I don't, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Google, I'm gonna Google it. It feels like it was two years ago, but honestly, it, it, uh, yeah, it was uh, February twenty fifth, twenty twenty two. So it's been about a year and a half.
1: I have a question about the about the lore of the okay. game in. When you when you uh, when you Google something, or is it that you're just like like we're out smoking with our pipes here, opening the door and and yelling inside and being like, hey, Tony. Does uh, what year of our Lord did the Steam Deck come out?
0: Yeah, Um, it's just like that. But, uh, you know, it's Bing. It's not Google. Tony doesn't have Google for some reason on his phone. He just has Bing. So
1: damn it, it. Tony. I know.
0: I know. Um, Well, let's get to our uh, final story here, which is the fact that the Game Awards has announced their 2023 nominations. We're not going to go through all of
1: it. That's it? Two stories?
0: That's it. Yeah. We have a long show. I let you talk a lot about your PlayStation 5, which I knew you were. All right. Fine. (laughs) Really bottling it up. Um, Well, let's talk a bit about these nominations, because I I think this will uh, spark some some conversation. So um, Game of the Year. Also, you kind of being the big one. You've got Alan Wake Two, Baldur's Gate three, Marvel Spider-Man Two, Resident Evil four remake Super Mario Brothers Wonder and The Legend of Zelda. Tears of the Kingdom all nominated for Game of the Year. Uh man, twenty twenty three was a crazy year. That's insane that they all came out um this year. I don't know. Like I, I feel like Baldur's Gate's the easy one to walk away with because it is just such a an immense and beloved game that came out this year and kinda came out of nowhere, to be honest.
1: So are we doing predictions for this? Are we talking snubs? What are we doing?
0: I don't know. Like whatever uh whatever whatever kinda comes to mind, I guess.
1: So Here's the first thing I'd say is I look at this list of games and normally when I look I haven't played them all. Okay, I I I I know what the critical consensus is. Do I want to play Resident Evil Four remake? Absolutely, I'm going to play it at one point or another. I haven't yet. Resident Evil Four is one of my favorite games of all time. If they nailed the remake, I don't see why it would not be on this list. Makes they did. Sense.
0: It's really I bad. haven't.
1: I haven't played Alan Wake 2. I hear I, there's some people out there that are calling it an absolute masterpiece. Um, so, I mean, does it likely do I respect a lot of what Remedy's doing? And has it been building up and building up? And do I think this game's going to be amazing? Absolutely, I do. So, obviously, I have no complaints with any game on this list, which is crazy to me. Normally, you see these things and you're like, oh, okay, this one, it's a little questionable or whatever. All of these. Are great but then I know of these games that people have played and just just spoken about uh to no end about how great they are like and that are not on this list I think of mid I I just mentioned Marvel's Midnight Suns that came out the game awards does this thing where they released the nominees at a weird time. And and there was somebody, a developer who tweeted about Pentiment last year, one of my favorites, that essentially Pentiment got entirely hosed from the game game awards. It came out this week where they were told that nominations close at this time. And then they got, they got kind of um, instead nomination. They announced the nominees a week before the date that they said it closed. The game came out. And so technically Pentiment, would be in the running for this year. But obviously nobody's thinking about that game. It came out so long ago. Same befell Midnight Suns, a game that both of us uh, enjoyed that released in December of last year when the game Awards were, were airing and uh, you know, is nowhere to be seen in any of the nominations, not just game of the year, but like any of the nominations, like best performance, like any of that stuff. It's just like, it didn't come out uh, last year or, 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 you know, did not punch enough to, to make the, the list unless I missed it somewhere, but I, I didn't see it anywhere.
0: It's so not in I know d-
1: like, like in, there wasn't that many like strategy type RPGs. Like, it just feels like it would be, you know, it could potentially, you know, make the list. And then I've, I've seen people t- sing the praises of Octopath Traveler 2 as like a sort of definitive JRPG. Uh I, I've you know, seeing people talk about um uh, Sea of Stars and like in, in terms of, uh you know, just being completely enamored with these games. Now, am I saying those games deserve Game of the Word nominees? I, I have not nominations. I've not played them, but it's just we're in a year of so many games. People will mention names of games and I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, I totally forgot that that game came out this year jedi jedi survivor is that on the list of nominees jedi survivor? Uh,
0: it's not it's 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 got best action adventure game for jedi survivor yeah. and which is I mean-
1: probably where i again i haven't played that one it's probably where i played the first one it's probably where it would fit but uh, at the same thing it's just like that's an insanely high quality high polish high gloss well put together game and it's just you know it's not it's not crack in the top. That's what an insane year it is. So I know people probably have their personal favorites like I do and others that are not on that list. I still cannot argue with any of the ones on the list, though. You know, yeah. I look at it and I'm like, oh, shit, what? No, Mario Wonder. Yeah, I, I would keep that. Zelda, obviously. And Baldur's Gate, yeah. So like, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, crazy bonkers. And to get back to your question finally about like which one would I pick? Or, like, which one do I think? I guess, which one do I think? I think that, as you say, it feels like, at least in my circles, that the wind has shifted from Zelda to Baldur's Gate, and that Baldur's Gate is the safe bet um i would also think i also think that it has done things in terms of game design and development that people did not think were possible and that were really really respect well respected i also know game developers were tweeting heavily about zelda and some of the stuff that it did right so i mean i never bet against zelda necessarily i do think those are the two one hundred pound or a thousand pound gorillas, rather that are that are. um I, I feel like I could be a one hundred pound. <laughs> like a hundred gorilla. pound gorilla
0: would be considered probably small yeah. for.
1: I know. I I could probably take a hundred pound gorilla, but not well, in a thousand. I wouldn't put that pairs. out there. Yeah, maybe not. It's true. Let's not <laughs> test that. So, so I just I just think that that um that that there are, it could be anybody's game, other than resident evil 4 remake which i think it would be like especially in a year of of just you know crazy games the fact that a remake of a game is nominated for game of the year is probably contentious in and of itself it does not stand a chance to win against these heavy hitters maybe in a lesser year potentially it's the only one i would give like a full zero percent chance of winning I, mario in the year of mario i probably give a low percentage chance uh I do think Alan Wake is a dark horse contender. And I think that because people, the people who love that game seem to love it a lot. Sam Lake is a beloved figure in the games industry. They won, you know, they got Joseph Varis behind a microphone for it takes two a few years ago. I could very much see them trying to do the same for Sam Lake here. I know that's a little cynical or whatever, but I don't think like, I think, Alan Wake is doing something very different than Baldur's Gate, that's doing something very different than Zelda. And that if it won, people would not be too upset. Like, you know, every- there's going to be people going for everything, but people will be upset for different reasons. But I see the dark horse is Alan Wake here, and the two main contenders is Baldur's Gate and Zelda, with the edge going to Baldur's Gate. That's what I think.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing about this list is it feels very mainstream in the sense that like usually with a list there's like one or two games that like I wasn't even on my radar or probably won't play because it's it's not like a genre that I typically enjoy but out of those six like I've played I've played five of them I've finished you know four of them um but Alan Wake 2 is one it just came out and it's been such a busy fall with all the games coming out that it, it is one that's likely for me gonna have to wait until 2024
1: sounds like you're just salty you will die here tonight wasn't nominated
0: no no i'm not i i I think that like speaking of zombies resident evil 4 remake being on this list i think that's like a honor to be nominated type situation I, i agree with you i don't think it's going to win um it is a great remake i think it's probably um the the best of the resident evil remakes like to think that they took resident evil 4 which is a beloved game and and remade it and also remade the DLC for it and, and did a phenomenal job. Um, it's a great game. You'd love that one. Uh, but I think that I, like every time this list pops up, there's always one game that kind of jumps out of like, okay, like I have to finish this game before our gamers in game of the year discussions where we talk about like our personal favorites, um, which usually boils down to, I think like top five and then some honorable mentions to kind of, you know, talk about some of our favorite lesser known titles. And there's ov- obviously overlap between what Joss and I are playing. So, you know, we're not talking about 20 different games, but.
1: Was there any horizon DLC that came out this year?
0: There was horizon DLC, which will uh, likely make a, an appearance on our game of the year episode. <laughs> uh, that shouldn't surprise uh, anyone. Jocelyn's a huge fan of horizon and I enjoyed the DLC as well. It was really cool. Um, but I think that, Yeah, Alan Wake 2 is likely not going to... I'm not going to have time for it uh, before mid-December, but uh, Baldur's Gate 3, it's I'm prepping. But I I also want to go back to your point of like, obviously you need to set like a cutoff time so that you can kind of have like... They do online voting and stuff, so they kind of have to prepare the nominations a month ahead of time. This isn't like the Oscars where they have a very public... Well, maybe they do have a kind of a public like nomination period where but there's no like online voting for the Oscars. There's online voting for the game awards, but there is that weird moment where if your game comes out, so Alan Wake two is like the cutoff must've been October 31st. Cause Alan Wake two came out late October. So like that cutoff of like anything that comes out between like November and December, it feels like it's, you're kind of in that no man's land of like, you're not, you're not going to appear on this list. It's very rare. Like you look at these top six, like this was a crazy year. So of course, there's going to be nothing from November and December of last year that sort of pops up here. But I mean, even scrolling through, like I, I mean, is there a game that came out in that weird window? I think the okay, like Dead Space remake came out in January, but that's still like a 2023 game. Um, yeah, nothing's yeah. really jumping out at me.
1: Like in the win, what window are we talking about? Like, like the window, year- like
0: you have nominations. So the nominations close basically uh, end of October.
1: This is what Josh Sawyer tweeted. He is uh, the director of Pentiment uh, at, at Obsidian. So he tweeted on November 13th, he said, I think it's funny that two years in a row, the Game Awards lists a cutoff date for submissions and announces the nominees a week prior to that cutoff date. By coincidence, Pentiment shipped last year on November 15th lol so like the, <laughs> the 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 idea here is they're saying hey we're accepting nominations until this date and then a week before that date hits they announce the nominations and that is about not only i'm not, i don't want to go so far as saying it's douchey because that infers that it's intentional and not just the complete lack of organization but i would say it does make these awards look really chintzy um if you're you know telling people hey get your game in get it out and if you make the cutoff, you'll be considered and then a week before you gave that date you just announced nominees anyway right so yeah. Um, I I think to to me that that shows that there's still like as the the Game Awards have made strides towards being a serious, more serious award show than the Spike Awards or whatever it used to be. Oh, my God. Some of this (laughs) stuff. But I I still think it's like, you know, it's still the Jeff Keighley show. The guy puts himself on everything. He's in the middle of everything. Um, And I mean, for that reason, I don't know about you. Ryan. Like I, I definitely feel that we talk about the games at the Game Awards more now. Like we do predictions for Game Awards. We talk about it amongst our friends. But I think in my mind, um the the game Award of the Year that are given by some of the major publications like IGN, GameSpot, Polygon. I think about those as more prominent than I do the Game Award. If somebody's like, oh, the IGN Game of the Year is this and the Game Award winner is this, I'm still – and this could just be me, you know – whatever I've been reading IGN since I was in university. It could could or or GameSpot or whatever. I, I I could just have more legacy with those things. I just give them more credence than I do the game awards, which feels a bit like it's feeling more and more like an award show from Hollywood where there's poly Politicing, politicking sorry excuse me and uh that sort of stuff going on to uh you know i know people love to be like oh hideo is jeff Keeley's friend or this and that and he's gonna win i don't think i'm not i'm not a cynic like that i don't think no. all of that yeah. i just but i do think that the show is still not all the way there in being taken you know super seriously
0: yeah no it's definitely got um And it's every year they try to improve it a little bit. And I think they they do a really good job of like acknowledging their mistakes. But you're right. There is some weirdness in terms of the cutoff date, how they sometimes involve uh, creators and devs that are closer to Jeff Keighley. And and there's obviously the trapping of like the trailers for announcements. And, you know, the Oscars doesn't have trailers as part of the show that it might be no commercial right breaks but
1: of course yeah. that's the whole thing too it's like hey we're looking at it's a mix or a mix of these two things like look at the movies in this case games coming out next year as well, or in the future, and that's kind of what people are more there for than the awards. And that doesn't bother me so much. I know it bothers some people that it's like a marketing award ceremony. I get I and and they have a dumb awards like most anticipated game, like like I mean that's stupid, obviously. But um, I like I I just I just find that there's some stuff that could be tightened up a little bit to add kind of I don't know panache to the awards. Um, and, uh, maybe doll, like, even if it wasn't always Jeff Keeley like, honestly, I appreciate that it they're his baby and that he's being synonymous with them for so long, but he does have sometimes other presenters and stuff, but like, he's just hosting them year after year. And, um, and I, I just think it'd be good to have fresh faces or use his space to give, give some of the, like he, he often has these like gaming for, for good or like different awards, supporting people but like he he has a platform in which that he could let maybe some of those people or other other folks be co-hosts uh you know and 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 i it for whatever reason maybe there's more comp- complicated behind the scenes machinations to bring these things together i i don't know but uh yeah. i you know i'm still gonna watch it
0: yeah yeah i think my biggest criticism i have every year and it's it's again it gets better and better is uh i want to see I want to see the awards given away and accepted by the developers and, and hearing that acceptance speech from the developers when, when they get to talk about why they're, why they're so happy to be receiving this award and how work went on their game. And like, that's, that's the most interesting thing to me. I know that's not like mainstream wise, the most interesting people like, want to see the trailers, you know, they want it, but, but it is a little bit comical when you, you do like the, you know, they say, Oh, and you know, here's three awards that we're just going to flash up on the screen and tell you who won. Like, and you know, maybe there's an explanation of like, uh, well, the, those developers didn't come to the show or they've already been up on stage a couple times. And of course they give like, they give the stage for the big awards, like game of the year and uh, best direction and, you know, best performance, that sort of thing. And it leads to some fun moments of like someone doing a 20 minute speech and getting played off three or four times. But I, I do want to hear more from, like, I agree with you. I want to hear more from folks that aren't Jeff Keighley or trailers. You know, I want to hear from the developers. I want to hear from, you know, uh, other folks involved in the industry, because really this is a celebration of, this is a televised celebration of the video game industry. And, and Jeff Keighley has said as much, like this is a celebration of the video game industry. And I know Jeff Keeley's a part of that, uh, but there is so much more, to the game industry than Jeff Keighley introducing trailers, like more developers.
1: The one time a year that everybody gets to wear pants, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's really, it's, it's really a big thing. The other thing I would, I I would mention um, uh, for this year. And like, this is, again, it's like, it's a little thing, but it's a thing that shows they lack seriousness Dave the Diver is nominated for Best Indie Game, and this is getting a little bit of traction. I love Dave the Diver; it's a great game, but it is not an indie game. It is paid for by a huge, uh, I think it's South Korean conglomerate like Tencent or something like. That. Like, it's not an indie game. It just apes that indie aesthetic, right? Like, um, and and so they put it in the indie game category with actual indie games, you know. Uh, and people are being you know being critical of it but i think rightly so i think rightly so but it's not very hard to determine what in in, like some of these categories like most anticipated game are ridiculous how do you measure that it's almost impossible but something like it's like voting on the internet it's like oh these people voted so this must be the most anticipated game whereas whereas um you know Dave the diver it is in a category that you can measure. Is this an independent game? Yes or no? Oh it's a giant multinational conglomerate not an independent game you know but it's in that category. So mm-hmm. it 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 just shows the lack of seriousness they take in 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 holding the awards. It looks like it's indie so we're putting it in the indie box, right? Yeah. Um and so so again like with that, with the cutoff dates, with the with the Keely omnipresence, uh, I just, I just, um, I I give Jeff Keeley tons of credit for bringing this award show back to life and giving this space. I honestly think he's done an amazing job here. He's he's like expanded into the summer with Summer Game Fest, which may may end up being the long term replacement for E three, right? Which was the cornerstone bring the industry together event. For all the marketing and promotion and and you know now keely might be might end up being in that space as well so i just think that like he he's right he runs the risk himself of being kind of like over oversaturated like like um and maybe he'll come to that realization himself at one point but uh i would really like it if there were some um you know fresher faces at the game awards this year but I can't take take too much umbrage with the 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 picks they have for game of the year. They look good.
0: Yeah, no, it makes sense. Well, um, for folks at home, if you want to discuss, uh, I know actually, not if you want, I know people have been discussing the game awards in our Discord bit.ly slash tgi discord. Join the conversation there. There's even a a, a Dungeons and Diapers text channel uh, that Crofton had the brilliant idea to to pitch to me, that I pitched to Jocelyn and and uh, took some convincing. Because Justin's like, we really want to give a, a spot for Crofton to just talk more. And I'm like, yeah, but it would contain him for the most part. Um, you've escaped containment a couple of times, though. It has been. It's
1: stimulated. true. Sometimes I'm like, people are talking in here. Hey, there's a general channel. What's in there?
0: General stuff, actually. Um, but yeah, our Discord's a great spot. I really enjoyed it. It's honestly like my sole online social tool is discord and i i i don't want to necessarily put this out there but like i really hope discord stays as useful um as it as it has been and i know discord's made some forays into some weird you know store stuff and and they've experimented but like honestly i think the app has really you know kept its cool so bit.ly slash tgi discord jump in there general chat dungeons and diapers there's even an other media channel where you can talk about other media like TV, <laughs> movies, uh, stuff like that. So you, re-
1: you you really built that up. Other media where you could talk about uh, other media. <laughs> yeah.
0: comic books. I think, uh, anime's come up a couple times in there. Um, you know, well, a couple. Yeah, that would not
1: surprise me.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, you know, um, speaking of the internet, uh, Crofton, you've got some places that you talk about online. I think you posted a series of cat photos on Twitter. Sorry, X. Um, why don't you let everyone know where they can follow you?
1: You can follow me, my series of cat photos and my random opinions at Crofton Steers on Twitter and listen to the dulcet tones of my voice exchanging barbs with Ryan Murphy on Dungeons and Diapers every second week. Uh subscribe to that show as well.
0: Yeah. This week's Dungeons and Diapers is likely to be uh, you know, video game free for the most part, unless Crofton uh you know, fit some new games in, in the next couple of days, but um, probably going to be a lot of TV and movies.
1: Well, I, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe I won't have maybe something big will happen in Spider-Man, too. And I'll be like, it's a spoiler cast, Ryan. Let's go. But I don't think so.
0: I well, I mean, honestly, on that note, I was I was going to joke like I, I feel like there will be a Dungeons and Diapers uh, special where we do a spoiler cast. But I am content to wait until you've uh, there's no rush. So, um You can look forward to that in the near future at some point, probably 2024. But, uh, while you're on the internet, go to gamersinpodcast.com. You'll find all of our past episodes, show notes, links, all that fun stuff. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. As I mentioned, you can find Jocelyn at Joss plays myself at R Murphy Crofton at Crofton steers. And don't forget to follow the show at the gamers in. Thank you so much for staying at the gamers in Crofton. Thank you so much for guesting this week. And, and, Being so humble about being bounced around. I know I I really appreciate your flexibility. Uh, But yeah, tune in next week, everybody.
1: It's what my wife
0: says. (laughs) Yeah, you just had to get another one in there. (laughs)
1: Ryan, I have a question about the gamers in lore. <laughs> oh, am I God. am I being escorted out of the inn at this point? Or am I being thrown up? Or am I being? Am I allowed to go upstairs and sleep? Like, I just I don't understand.
0: I mean, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.